Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. You got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. Got that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the Maroon Friday edition of The Yard. Hope things are well with you today. Hope today, maybe perhaps, is a payday for you. I know it's uh, it's probably just your weekly uh, wage runners, but uh, be that as it may. Hope it's a good week for you. Hope it's a great weekend. It is the first weekend in a long time that we have not had a rooting interest on the fields of play when it's come to college athletics the reality of things we've crowned a new national champion it's Vanderbilt I'm not going to belabor the point and talk about all the scholarship stuff today not going to do it talked a lot about that on on the show already talked about it on social media going to do some more talking a little bit later about the all the need-based aid And, and, and again this is not just a Vanderbilt issue it is an NCAA issue it is a loophole needs to be closed it just so happens that one of the teams that is the best at exploring that loophole is in our backyard. It's something we have to recruit against, something we have to play against, and we have to compete against on the fields of play uh, to win SEC championships and to win potential national championships. And so it is an issue for us. 
But all that being said, we're not going to talk about that today. We are going to spend a lot of time talking about baseball today. We're going to talk about, I had told you guys I was going to preview the whole SEC. Can't do that because I had yesterday I basically spent the entire day figuring out a bad monitor situation. Had a monitor go bad on me. Had to spend some time. So, I, But I do have the SEC West. I, I had some time uh, to kind of work on that. And we're going to talk about what to look for next year for the SEC West. One day next week, we'll get around to the SEC East. Uh, a lot, a lot of changes in that side of the conference as well. But, uh, but today we're going to look at how the draft impacts people, how graduation impacts people, and and uh, what's Mississippi State's reasonable expectation next year for for positioning in the Southeastern Conference's Western Division. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart. I'm currently wearing the Swinging Bully T-shirt that I bought at Campus Bookmart. Now, that's from my Maroon Friday contribution. And I hope you're able to celebrate Maroon Friday however you choose today. But if you want to celebrate Maroon Friday, as always, go Campus Bookmark. They'll outfit you, your family, your office, your pet, your RV, your ranch, your farm, whatever you got. Anything that you have that can be decorated, you can put some maroon and white on it, and Campus Bookmark will help you find that. You need to have those College World Series shirts. And you can find those at campusbookmark.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you the phrase that pays. That is the promo code BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that will get you free shipping on all orders over $50. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So you guys uh, may or may not be familiar with this, but Mississippi State won a share of the SEC Western Division this year with Arkansas. Now, in my mind... Because we are Mississippi State. I'm, I'm not real big on these co-championships, especially divisional championships. And especially since Arkansas beat us head-to-head. You know, I, I don't look at that and say, well, you know, let's go hang a banner. That might be apropos for another program in this state. But we are Mississippi State. And while officially we are co-SEC West champions, that means very little to me when I begin to think about what else this baseball team accomplished and the expectations we have here at Mississippi State. We are never simply aspiring to a divisional title. That, that That's never the end goal for us in baseball. And if we won the West in football, it would be worth having a parade over. But not in baseball. We expect to compete in the West each and every year. doesn't always work out that way. But we're not going to sit here and have a ticker tape parade because we were co-champs of the West with a team that swept us. Uh, that, that's just not who we are. That's not what we're about. That's not the Mississippi State tradition. But uh, it was a uh, a good year for us in many respects, and I think a great year when you begin to consider the fact that, uh, you know, Chris Lamonis came into this thing with really, you know, I won't say a ready-made team because there were a lot of things that had to be kind of figured out on the pitching side of things. Coach Scott Foxhall had a real chore ahead of him kind of piecing this bullpen together because at this point last year we weren't exactly 100% sure that Cole Gordon was going to come back. We didn't know what Colby White was going to be. Jared Liebelt was kind of on the uh, trash heap of the Mississippi State bullpen. And I say that with as much respect as possible because that guy turned his career and life around. And I think Scott Foxhall deserves a lot of credit for that. Jared had to make a commitment to come back, but uh, Foxhall found a way to get the most out of him, and now he's headed off to the major leagues. I mean, it is incredible what a story that is. So there was a lot of things to figure out. You only had the one weekend starter back, that being Ethan Small. You had Peyton Plumley coming back from suspension. And I think ideally we all thought at this point last year, we were thinking, okay, we'll have Ethan Small on Friday. We'll do Peyton Plumley on Saturday and Cole Gordon on Sunday. That's probably, in my mind, that's how I remember it. Because if you remember, Cole Gordon had kind of transformed himself into a very solid reliever down the stretch last year. And we were thinking, okay, We'll just make him a starter. And I believe you probably could have handled that. But uh, there were a lot of moving parts to that Mississippi State pitching staff. And when you begin to go back and think, okay, Tristan Barler was a guy that was kind of up and down at times. He comes in, was very effective, had some had some difficult innings down the stretch. But Tristan Barler was big for State throughout the year. And so, you know, Foxhall kind of figured those things out. But, you know, offensively, we had a pretty good sense of who we were and what we had coming back. And so when I begin to think about next year, and we've touched on this just a little bit, you know, the heart of our order will be back. We've got a really good idea of kind of how things are going to play out. Now, there is some discussion about Tanner Allen making the move to the outfield. Now, I think that's not only best for him, but 
you know, for his future, but probably best for Mississippi State. If you remember, Josh Hatcher actually won the starting job in 2018 and then lost it to Tanner Allen. Listen, and Tanner's given us great innings over there. I'm, I'm not being negative with Tanner, but you know, Tanner's you know, 5'9", 5'10". He's not going to have a great catch radius at first base. Uh, you know, Josh a little bit bigger, longer kid. And so if that's the way it works out, that's perfectly fine with me. You know, we want Tanner Allen not only to have a great Mississippi State career, but to be able to parlay it into a great professional career. And I think that probably means left field. I may be wrong, but we'll see. I expect Rowdy to go to center, and then we'll figure it out and right. You know, we'll figure all these things out. Could could be Hatcher. Could be somebody else. A lot to kind of figure out. Uh, there is some discussion about Justin Foskey going back to third. And in Allen, Foskey, Westbrook, currently all at Team USA Trials. Third, they, they made the 34-man camp roster, or 36-man camp roster. There will be 24 players selected on that roster, if I'm not mistaken. But be that as it may, uh, they're there working out. It's good for them. And then, you know, win or lose, they'll uh, they'll eventually move on to, to summer baseball. But uh, talk to Foskey, could go back to third. We know Westbrook's going to stay at short. The second base position is, is wide open, absolutely wide open. And, like, I've read some people that have said, and, and, and I'm, I'm going to say this with as much respect as I possibly can, there are a lot of people that are saying, well, you know, Tanner Allen's our best second baseman. That's not true. That, that's, that's just not true. Th- those are people that did, haven't, didn't see ball baseball. I just don't know that he's quick twitch enough to handle the middle infield. And that's not being critical of him. You know, we, we all have some limitations. But I believe the second base spot is, is one of those things that is pretty much wide open. Now, Foscue could stay at second, and then my, possibly you see Luke Hancock at third. Uh, but I, frankly, I like Luke Hancock behind the plate. I, I, I will be surprised if he doesn't, doesn't win that job. I think that you'll probably share the duty some next year. But I don't know if you know this, but Luke Hancock has been JT Ginn's you know, personal catcher in summer baseball since they were about eight years old. Okay, so there, there's, a, there's a relationship there. So certainly I would imagine Hancock would catch Ginn. And then you're beginning to get into that pitching staff. You know, we, again, we think Ginn, Sarantola, uh, Christian McLeod. Those names, names will all be in it. And there's going to be some new guys show up. You know, we're not just going to have to piecemeal this thing together to solve fraternities. There will be some new guys that come in just as there was with Colby White, uh, just as there was with some other players. And we thought, you know, how did we ever get through the season, you know, without them? And so there will be some new names. But based on what Mississippi State has returning, I think it is safe to say that we are a very much in contention to host a regional next year. I expect Mississippi State to be right in the thick of things in the SEC West. And it's not just based on what we have coming back, but it's based on how the rest of the division looks. We don't know at this point who our Eastern Division opponents are going to be. You, know, you, you think you can get that figured out, and then they, they kind of change the matrix on you a little bit. You know, South Carolina came here. We could probably end up going there. You know, Georgia came here. We could end up going there. But you begin to think about this thing, too. You know, Vanderbilt rotated off. Kentucky rotated off. Missouri rotated off. You know, and so there's a good chance we're going to get one or more of those teams back on the schedule and somebody else rotate off. And so we don't know how the East is going to look, and we'll talk a little more about that next week. But, But we don't expect that to be the stronger division again. Tennessee lost a lot. Florida's going to return a lot. Uh, Missouri has lost uh, some arms. Okay, and so we kind of know what to expect there. Georgia's lost some offense. They didn't have a lot of offense, but they're going to bring back arms again. They're going to be really strong as a pitching staff again. So they'll probably be ranked in the top ten, I would suspect. I really think that's probably going to be the case. Uh, But all those things – kind of factored in you know until we kind of know what the schedule looks at you know we won't really know how seriously Mississippi State can contend for an SEC championship because Vanderbilt of course gets the benefit of playing in the weaker division and we don't we'll have to play everybody in the west which is a stronger division and last year we didn't get to play Kentucky or Missouri so that's kind of where we are so Mississippi State will be a contender in the west possibly in SEC We'll be in a great position to host a regional next year. Great position to host a regional. And then after that, we'll see. You know, I don't know if we're in contention for a top eight national seed or not. But uh, here's the thing. Usually when you contend for the SEC championship, you find your way into top eight. Don't know at this point if I can say that. But I do think confidently enough about this team, we'll, we will be among the top 16 teams in the country when it's NCAA selection time. 
So I expect to have postseason baseball doing double field next year. And then we'll see. Uh, but I think it's important you know, that everybody, number one, be positive and, and, and expect great things. Because I mentioned on the show last week, and I've had people pull me aside on the street and say, you know what, Steve, I agree, you're 100% right. And, and I think I am. I believe that we are about to be ushered into another great era of Mississippi State baseball. I, th- I don't think we're going to have that roller coaster of sorts. Now, I am, I am concerned about 2021. And one of the reasons that I'm concerned is, you know, we, we did not have a lot of freshman contributors this year. Well, 2021 will be their junior year. And so we feel really good about those sophomores we have returning because they'll be draft-eligible juniors after 2020. And three of those guys, as I mentioned, are working out with Team USA this week. And so, you know, we feel like Tanner Allen, Westbrook, Foskey, Rowdy, Hatcher, those guys are going to be great contributors for us. But there is a great chance they will not be back for 2021. So we have got to have some younger guys kind of step into this lineup and begin to kind of find their way. You know what? Luke Hancock is a guy we feel pretty good about. Hayden Jones is a guy we feel pretty good about. But those guys have kind of been role players. Now, this this year, they need to kind of take ownership of, the, of some starting positions and begin to be difference makers and contributors to this team because they are going to be the guys that have to carry this team in 2021. They're going to be they're going to be on the cover of the media guide. <laughs> they're going to be the face of our program. And so when you begin to look around the league, that's one of the things that when I see it, it's a little more concerning when you see it in black and white because a lot of the teams that we're competing against had some freshmen really contribute this year. And so that's something that we're going to have to remedy next year. But as far as 2020 goes, I think we can all feel really good about the direction of our team and the direction of our program and that we're not going to have this valley. We've had back-to-back trips to Omaha. I believe if things come around as they should and some guys really step up on the weekend – We've got a chance to go back to Omaha. And other people say, well, you know, Steve, we've, we've never gone three years in a row. Well, there's a first time for everything. And I believe with the pitching that we should have and the pitching coach that we have and the talent available to him, I think he will find a way to put us in a very competitive situation to make us a very, very difficult weekend matchup for just about anybody in the country. And again, the schedule will be part of it. You know, we're going to need some younger guys who don't have a lot of innings under their belt. You know, step into some big roles for us next year. We're going to have to have some guys eat up some innings. But I think offensively, we're going to be one of the better teams in the country in the conference. We finished, you know, I think second in the SEC and fifth overall in batting this year. So we're going to return a lot of those pieces. Uh, Jake Mangum obviously won't be one of those. Elijah McNamee won't be one of those. Uh, But to be fair to everybody involved in this whole deal, you know, when you begin to look at what we have leaving and what we have coming back you know we would love to have another weekend starter established but we didn't have that last year we still found a way to get to Omaha and to be honest with you and to be blunt about the whole deal I think when you begin to look at the raw materials that guys like Eric Sarantola and Christian McLeod are working with I think I think honestly you would say they're a little more physically gifted than some of the guys we trotted out there this year. You know, I, I, I think if you're picking teams, you probably pick those guys before you pick a Peyton Plumley or you, you pick a Keegan James, and that's not to be critical of those guys. I'm just saying that, that there are some guys that are coming in behind them that I think have a higher ceiling as a college pitcher. As Coach Foxhall told me, when you turn on the Major League Baseball Network, you're looking at guys that look like Christian McLeod, guys that look like Eric Sarantola. Big, long, athletic, strong players. And so the raw materials are there. Now it's about kind of molding them. Let them have a good you know, summer, and then we get into the fall. Because in the summer, here's the thing I'll tell you about that. There are a lot of people, of course, that put a lot of emphasis on the on the summer numbers, you know, I, I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't worry a lot about that. But when I see a pitcher, like if we saw Peyton Plumley go out there and really dominate last year in the Cape, that excites me. When I see a guy that's kind of middle of the road, it doesn't really bother me as much because a lot of times this is when you're experimenting with adding that new pitch, and so you, you're going to go use that in games that don't matter. And so if you see a guy that's really struggling, don't over overreact. 
just it's just part of the deal. But if you see a guy that's doing exceptionally well, I think it's right to be excited about that. But it's, especially when it comes to pitchers, because some of those guys are working with things. A lot of those guys are you know limited innings. But uh, if you see a guy really dominated in the Cape, you can feel really good about that. And so I feel good about where we are, feel good about where we're headed. And uh, now let's talk about some of the teams you're going to be competing against. But before we do, I want to remind you when you're in town, go to Bulldog Burger Company. It is absolutely the best place to break bread in Starkville, Mississippi. It is part of a family of restaurants that are committed to Starkville and committed to Mississippi State. When you're doing business with them, you're doing business with people that care about the things you care about, the people you care about, the places you care about. It's an important part of the, the equation. These people are our family. That, and beside itself, it is a great place to go get a great restaurant-quality hamburger. There are a few things in life that you can do to reward yourself more than going and having a great restaurant-quality hamburger, and that's exactly what you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. I encourage you, follow them on all forms of social media. You can keep up with the daily specials, keep up with uh, their drink specials, and keep up with uh, you know new additions and, and kind of daily items that are just on the menu, and uh, treat yourself to that great milkshake as you leave take take your dessert with you how about that bulldog burger company the place in stark where people go to meet m-e-a-t so i mentioned on a show a while back that it's kind of interesting how this rivalry with arkansas has kind of bubbled over some of it's been fans on social media some of it's been the fact that we have swept each other each of the last four years we actually get them at our place this year so that's cool i don't know what will happen without the benefit of that regular wind blowing out to right field that uh, they'll miss from bomb stadium but uh this arkansas team really if you if you're being fair this year's run to omaha probably really unexpected that they're really a year ahead of schedule they won a lot of games with a lot of sophomores this year they they really really did uh they're going to bring back goodhart who who killed mississippi state in fayetteville Optiz is a guy that uh, working out with Team USA right now is, is one of the better catchers in the country and uh, certainly in our conference. Casey Martin, not a great defender at shortstop, but uh, a very skilled bat. He had a big weekend against Mississippi State. Uh, Heston Kerstad got, got ejected in that ball game against Mississippi State. Uh, he He's kind of the straw that stirs the drink. I think a lot of people expect him to be the guy to kind of carry this thing in the middle of the order uh, Nesbitt, the guy that that plays third, I I really like him a lot. I don't know that he gets maybe the credit he deserves as a a younger guy. I think he's got a chance to be a really good player for them. Uh, And and then they've got some pitchers returning. Uh, We'll see what happens with all that. You know, Connor Connor Nolan's one of those guys that's playing football, and so what's going to happen with him? Will he pick – will he continue to play football? Will he focus on baseball? I don't think he's going to play football. I mean, like, even if he's on the team, I don't think he sees a lot of snaps. So that's the decision he'll have to make. But uh, I think he's a guy that could uh, could really benefit from focusing on baseball. I don't know his situation. Maybe he needs full scholarship. Don't know. But I know that he is a guy that uh, had a good outing against Mississippi State. He was up and down down the stretch. But uh, he's a guy that could could be a big part of things for them. And uh, Arkansas not hit especially hard by the draft. They had five guys, I think, taken in the top ten rounds. I believe it was six guys in all, including a backup catcher that got drafted. Uh, they're going to lose Ezel to first baseman. He was a senior. Uh, the big loss is really Isaiah Campbell, and uh, I think we're all happy to see him go. What a competitor. What a tremendously gifted pitcher. He's he's out of the league. <laughs> so glad we don't have to see him again. Uh, Cronin was a guy that was their closer. Uh, he was a guy that had an Avenged Sevenfold walkout song. How about that? That's incredible. Shepherd of Fire, I think, was right. Uh, but he got drafted. And Dominic Fletcher is a guy that really surprised me. He got drafted very, very early, I think second round. Uh, but he's a guy that's going to go ahead and go. And then uh, second baseman, Jack Kenley was drafted and has signed. Uh, and then uh, Jacob Shock was drafted. And then Cody Scroggins was drafted. A couple of uh, you know long relievers for them. So some losses in the pen. You lose your best starter. You lose your closer. Lose a couple of reliable middle relievers there. Uh, but they're going to return a lot of pieces back on offense. And uh, Dave Horn is recruited at a high level. The question mark about that team is going to be about pitching. It's all going to be about pitching. Everything. If they can go out there and pitch it well, if they can be above average, as a pitching staff in this league, got a good chance to win the West and contend for the SEC. Because they're going to score a lot of runs. Because they're going to play a lot of games at home. But this Arkansas team... 
I think if you, when we, people begin to talk about this eight for Omaha thing, I, I think right now I would project them to be in Omaha. But you know the qualifiers there is what's gonna what's gonna happen with this weekend pitching, because down the stretch, and you saw it in the Super Regional against Ole Miss, and you saw it at Omaha down the stretch outside of Campbell, they did not have good pitching. They did not have good starting pitching, and so. If those guys can step it up a little bit, and, and it's kind of like you look, look at Mississippi State, you know, whoever has the better starting pitching is probably going to win the West. Whoever can figure that aspect of it out will likely win the West. A team that is really scary to me, and another team that made to Omaha is Auburn. And one of the things that that kind of concerns me about Auburn, number one, we have to go over there and play, even though we have played well there at times, and Auburn has been down for the last few years. Auburn is going to be a very veteran team. They had several draft-eligible players that did not even sniff the MLB draft. And I, I don't say that as a criticism of them because they're very experienced college players, and they're going to be back. They're going to be improved. Really, the only guaranteed starter they're going to lose is uh, shortstop Will Holland, and I'll, I'm going to hire his agent because what a tremendous job he did. Uh, to get his client out of slot money, I, I don't th- honestly. I'm not a Will Holland fan at all. I think he's one of the more inconsistent players, and they had him hit and clean up. And there's a lot of holes in that guy's swing, but he's gone now. Uh, Jack Owen was drafted and said immediately that he planned to come back. We know Tanner Burns is going to be back. Elliot Anderson was kind of their primary reliever. He's already signed, so he's out. So just about everybody else is going to be back, and that, that includes Connor Davis. Uh, you know that that includes the catcher, uh, Scheffler. They've got some very good defenders. They've got some guys that can really run, and they had a very talented sophomore class. So this Auburn team, I think, is poised for a real run. I don't know if they've got what it takes uh, to win the whole thing. I, I think they're going to pitch it well. I don't know that they have a dominant starter. I think they've got some really good starters. And, uh, you know, this year that was been, you know, they had some injuries down the stretch, you know, Tanner Burns, uh, Jack Owen both. But if those guys round back into good health next year, Auburn could be a team that could really contend. And, again, we have to go over there. Uh, but they, they were not a great offensive team, but down the stretch they begin to kind of figure some things out. And so many of those players, as you know, are going to return. So I guess it will be, you know, seven of eight everyday players will be back old wins in college baseball. It's as simple as that. Old wins. And so I expect Auburn. Auburn was in contention to host this year. I think they're a few in to host next year. I could possibly see them being in contention for a top eight national seed. I mean, they are, they are among the better teams coming back. Now, they're an older team. You know, they don't have a lot of younger guys on their roster. So I don't know if they're built to last. But I know that uh, Butch will do a great job recruiting there. And Auburn will absolutely be in the mix. And so I think when you begin to look at this thing, I think right now, based on what we have coming back, there are three teams you look at and say, okay, all three of these teams are in a great position to host and in a great position to contend for the West. And then I think there are a couple teams after that. LSU will always be right there. But I have LSU just in the lead dog in that second group. LSU loses a ton this year. And I know everybody says, well, the LSU's going to rebuild. Oh, she's going to reload. And that's true. They're going to have a very talented signing class come come to, to campus. But again, LSU was built to win this year. LSU was an older veteran team that had a lot of experience. You had some guys come back to, to try to make a run at this thing. Uh, and they, they come up short. They get beat by Florida State in the Super Regional at home. I just I think LSU is going to take a little bit of a step back, and then they're going to they're going to be better pitching wise. I think, you know, we'll see how it develops, but I think they're going to be better pitching than they were this year. But they are losing a ton of players. They're losing shortstop Josh Smith. They're losing right fielder Antoine Duplantis. Center fielder Zach Watson. It's like he's been there forever. Third baseman Chris Reed. Uh, Brant Broussard, the second baseman. Uh, they're losing Zach Hast. They're losing Peterson, the pitcher. You know, so they they're losing a lot of notables, guys that have won a lot of games for them. Now they're going to return some guys. Cade Beloso is a guy, the first baseman, that is built and looks like a veteran guy. He was only a freshman this year. Daniel Cabrera was a sophomore. He'll he'll be 
one of those guys in contention for SEC Player of the Year next year because they'll build the offense around him. And then Cole Henry was kind of the guy that kind of destroyed his third to pitching drink. When Cole Henry was in the weekend rotation, they were better. When he wasn't, you had to move some guys around. You, you couldn't really throw off. Eric Walker and those guys uh, just really struggled when, when they didn't have Henry in there. So if Henry's healthy, LSU should be – he'll go to Friday night. They'll be a better pitching staff. But they were not a great pitching staff this year. And so you're going to lose a couple of relievers, and you're going to lose some guys that uh, have eaten up a lot of innings for you. So that's where I think the question mark comes with LSU is, you know, the depth of this pitching staff, you feel good about maybe Friday, Saturday. But the rest of it, I don't know about. You know, where's the offense going to come from? Yes, you've got Cabrera. Yes, you've got Cade Beloso back. But outside of that, you you really don't have a lot that you can feel good about. I mean, you you, you got eight everyday players. Uh, you got, uh, I guess, Gio DeComo back as a DH. He may he may take a position uh, as well. You know, he had a big bomb against uh, State and Hoover. But there's a lot of offenses pieces that are gone. A lot of it bats. A lot of left-handers that are gone, right, JT Ginn? A lot of guys in that lineup, they're going to be moving on. So I think LSU is right there, but just below that top group. Just below the top group. Maybe in a host position, maybe not. Texas A&M, they're, they're, they're a team I have in that, that next group too. They're in the secondary group. I, I think you can when you begin to really break this thing down, you get three teams – that are contenders in the West. you got two teams that are right behind that. Then you've got one more, and then you've got somebody at the bottom. We'll get to that. Texas A&M, they could not hit the baseball this year. They couldn't hit the baseball. Now, they're going to lose Braden Shoemake. He was drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Braves. He, he was their guy. He was absolutely the best thing on their team. He was their best player regardless of position. That's why he was drafted in the first round. He's gone. Their Friday night guy, uh, John Dixakis, and I always mispronounce that, so I'll do respect to you, John. Uh, he's another one that's gone. Friday night guy, he'll be moving on. And they lose a couple of relievers too. But they're going to bring back a ton of veterans. They've got the potential to start four seniors next year because they had a bunch of draft-eligible guys that didn't get picked because they weren't good college players. And again, Braden Shoemaker, the only guy on that team that hit above 300, the only guy on the team, a very anemic offense. You feel really good about Friday night with Asa Lacey. I, I think he he could be the best pitcher in the SEC West. Uh, I think JT Ginn's in that conversation as well. Those two went head-to-head. Lacey won the game one nothing. You know, it was, uh, it was quite the pitcher's duel. But I think Asa Lacey – is in contention to be the best pitcher in the SEC West for 2020. I, I think there's going to be some some real show horses that are draft eligible, and uh, and he'll be one of those guys for uh, for sure. But there's just a lot of question marks. I mean, there's just really a lot of question marks when you look at that. And, and uh, you know, you got you got a veteran team, but how much of that's really good experience? Yeah, you know, it's the thing you begin to ask yourself. I mean, at some point. Yeah, these guys may be good enough to start, but they're good enough to compete at a high level in the Southeastern Conference. And so I, I, I expect A&M to be another good team. I think it'll be another, you know, typical team that, uh, you know, is, is in a regional somewhere. Maybe they host, maybe they don't. But they're going to be another good SEC-quality team. And a lot of it's going to be depend on, on pitching. You know, Asa Lacey was 8-4 and four last year with a 2.13 ERA because he couldn't get any run support. This is a guy that's really going to pitch it well. And so uh, I, I suspect A&M, again, a host team. So I think right now when you look at the West, there are five teams you feel really good about being in an NCAA regional. I think, I think right now, if you had to call it, Arkansas, Auburn, Mississippi State, LSU, A&M, I think right now project safely in the field. Safely in the field. And then you get to Ole Miss. Now, Ole Miss, a lot of losses here, but they returned some good, some big pieces too. But this is a team that was so up and down offensively, and then you lose some of your better players off that offense. Uh, I think Greg Kessinger is one of the better players that has played at Ole Miss in, in the last several years tremendous baseball player. 
one of the only guys to consistently hit Mississippi State during his career. Uh, and again, a reminder that Mississippi State's 14-2 and against Ole Miss in the last four seasons. But Greg Kessinger was always among the, the most difficult outs in those series. And, and, and one guy you always had to pitch around, so you lose that guy. And then you lose Thomas Dillard. And there was a lot of people last year that thought, you know, Thomas Dillard you know, might be the best player in Mississippi. You know, uh, played out of position, but, man, what a big bat he was. And then they got moving him to lead off down the stretch. You know, when Ole Miss kind of made their run, they, they put Dillard in the leadoff spot to give him an opportunity to get more at-bats, and then that worked out for him. You know, Cole Zabowski at first base, you know, he he's another guy that uh, – another big stick in that lineup, and he's gone. Cooper Johnson, uh, you know, second-team All-SEC catcher, very good defensive player, not a great offensive player. But uh, as you guys have, have learned, you know, when you lose your catcher, you, you lose a lot of your defense. And Cooper Johnson, one of the one of the elite catchers in our conference, he's moved on. Uh, Ryan Olenek has finally exhausted his eligibility, finished up. He's not going to play professional baseball. Uh, Friday night guy, Will Etheridge, is done. Closer, Parker Caracci, is done. Midweek pitcher, Zach Phillips, is done. And so a lot of things gone. And that was a team, again, kind of similar to LSU. And even though LSU, I think, brings probably some better pieces back, they're, they're very similar to Ole Miss in the fact that they're going to have to kind of turn the lineup over, but LSU is going to have more talented pieces with which to do so. Uh, Ole Miss will have Tyler Keenan back, and he will be among the most dangerous hitters in the conference. The issue that Ole Miss is going to have is who are they going to have to hit behind him uh, and protect him. Uh, Anthony Servidio will move from right field to shortstop from all reports, and so what that means is you're going to have a completely brand-new outfield, completely brand-new outfield, going to retool the entire unit. And uh, that takes some time to, to kind of work through. I don't care how much baseball you play, it takes some time to kind of learn to play together. So you'll have Keenan at third, so video at, at, uh, at, at short. Uh, Justin Bench, who is not the son of former Major League Baseball Hall of Famer Johnny Bench, in, in contention for that, that second base spot. And uh, yeah, they'll, they'll figure some things out. Uh, but, you know, really, I think outside of uh, Tyler Keenan, the, the biggest piece you return is Nikhazy. Uh, down the stretch, he he was their best pitcher as far as their best swing and miss stuff. Etheridge really gutted it out. People forget, and uh, you got to really tip your cap to Will Etheridge at Ole Miss because he was a guy that was essentially a reliever, and then he ends up being the Friday night guy and uh, was as competitive as anybody in this conference in the final month of the season. Now, he had some ups and downs earlier in the year, but this is a guy that went out there and gave them a chance to win ball games over and over and over. But uh, Nikhazy is a guy that has big league stuff. He is a guy that has that real deceptive curveball. He can throw it out the same arm size as fastball. Great downward action on it. And uh, But the spin rate is so good that it, it, it really fools people. You, you just can't lay off of it. He's a guy that has an opportunity to be a real star. Uh, you know, I'm not, I'm not a big Gunnar Hoglund fan, and a lot of people think that he's going to be, you know, really something special I you know he was the first former first rounder elected to come to school I think that is a decision he will likely regret uh, because I, I don't know based on the trajectory right now that you would say okay in two years he'll definitely be back in the first round I think you can look at JT again and you could feel that way JT again recently named freshman all-american SEC freshman of the year and uh yeah, you, know, you got Kumar Rocker and those guys. Are, you know, you're gonna be you're gonna be pitching against those guys a lot in your career. But uh, but I, you know, Ole Miss did not have elite arms this year. I think Nikhazy kind of developed into one. But outside of that, there just aren't a lot of elite arms back. You know, people talk about well, Miller will be back. You know, he was so up and down. I don't know if you can really does he become a weekend guy for you? I don't know. But uh, some real question marks, especially in that bullpen. Uh, you've got you've got numbers, but I don't know how much talent you really have. And so I, I think at this point, you know, I, I don't know that you could project Ole Miss into the NCAA tournament right now. Now, certainly there are some pieces, and if, if some guys really kind of come together, then, yeah, they could sneak in somewhere, possibly as a two or three seed somewhere. I think that's a possibility. But I don't think at this point you can look at Ole Miss and say they are a for-sure tournament team because they were built to win it this year, didn't pull it off, and now there's going to be – I won't say a steep decline, but there will be a step back from a talent standpoint next year. Uh, the team that finished last in the West that should probably continue to do so is Alabama. Uh, when you begin to look at what Alabama has and what they have returning, there is not a lot of reason for optimism. Now, 
I know there's some Alabama folks out there that might disagree, but uh, they're going to be losing uh, two of their three weekend guys from a team that really struggled to win ball games. Uh, Brock Love and uh, Sam Finnerty both moving on. Uh, Love MLB selection in 34th. Finnerty was a senior. Uh, they're also going to have uh, Davis Vayner has announced that he's going to be a grad transfer moving on to Arizona. So it's another arm. It's off at staff. Uh, from the position side, Keith Holcomb was first baseman. He has finally exhausted his eligibility. He'll move on. Joe Bro, outfielder, will also go. Um, let me think here. Morgan, if I can read my writing here, Morgan McCullough uh, drafted shortstop. He'll go ahead and come on out. But when you've got you guys coming back, you've got a few young pieces you're excited about. Tyler Raz is a guy they're really excited about. I suspect he will be their Friday night starter. Uh, was a guy this year that was you know, kind of up and down for him, but uh, has that Major League Baseball body, has Major League Baseball velo. He's a guy that will probably be the centerpiece of that weekend pitching rotation. Uh, outfielder Tyler Gentry led the team this year with a 310 average. He'll be back, another young guy. Drew Williamson, a young guy that a lot of people are really excited about there. And so they've got some young guys. They've kind of invested and used some this year to try to kind of build for the future. And it wasn't successful. But the good thing is they got some experience for those guys. And so that'll be another interesting scenario there. But it just seems like from a talent standpoint, there's just a real talent deficiency. And, uh, you know, I remember Gene Wood was a guy that a lot of people thought that John Cohen should have signed at Mississippi State. A lot of people were really excited about him after he had, uh, you know, a really good senior season and then had the big summer afterwards and, and uh, he likes to go to Alabama and then ha- and it's currently hitting 111 and that's not to throw shade on him but I think it's one of those things when you begin to look at a lot of times we fall in love with these players and we think okay because they're an in-state guy they ought to come to an in-state school and then we don't I, I don't I remember a lot of people were h- highly critical of John Cohen when he elected not to uh, to offer uh, Gene Wood, but I don't know how many of those people have sent John an email since then to say, hey, John, just want to let you know you were right. And again, I think it's important to understand that everybody's maturation and trajectory as a baseball player is a little bit different. But I think it's pretty safe to say when you look at the results Mississippi State's put together in the last four years, John Cohen was a great evaluator of talent. Because by and large, these players that, uh, that we're playing with are guys that he committed, many of them in the 8th and ninth grade. It's the reality of things. I think Tanner Allen's the only guy that we recruited that John didn't get that Andy Canizaro did. But these other guys, these are guys that Mississippi State went out and recruited under John Cohen. So what happens next? That's that's the bigger issue now, is what do we do to replenish the pipeline? We have the commitment to college baseball. We have the facilities that are unsurpassed in the country. We have incredible crowds. We have incredible brand recognition. We've got incredible tradition. As we said many times, there's just the one thing missing, and I think that makes it an easier recruiting pitch. So you know what? Here's where we are. We're one or two players away. We're one pitcher away. We're one hitter away from being able to go out there and really contend annually. And you've got a chance to come in here and play in the greatest college baseball stadium in the country in front of the greatest college baseball baseball fan base. Uh, you, you could certainly make the argument at Arkansas at LSU as well. But uh, my point being is that we we should be able to recruit at a, a level higher than we ever have because I don't know that we've had as much going for us at one time as we do now. And I think that's an important part of, the, of all of this is everybody watch, every, every every high school baseball player in America watched the College World Series. They saw Mississippi State out there. They saw Jake Mangum. They saw the response. They saw Jake Mangum's impassioned plea for college baseball and for Mississippi State. They saw Jake Mangum get up there, and Jake Mangum, one of the most recognizable figures in the country when it comes to college baseball right now, dare I say it, an iconic figure in college baseball, turned to Chris Limonis in the postgame press conference and say, hey, you're going to lead us to our first national championship, and I can't wait to see it. And so when you begin to think about the recruiting pitch, it's really already been made in many respects. The pitch is out there. Mississippi State baseball as a brand is, is widely known. And when Jake Mangum gives your coach the, that endorsement to say, you know what, 
you know what, we couldn't do it. That was our goal. We came in here, we couldn't do it. And when you begin to think about it, when you begin to look at what a storybook ending it would be, I think the question you begin to ask yourself is, how in the world did Mississippi State get to Omaha in back-to-back years? How did Mississippi State win a regional four years in a row, a pair of super regionals, and go to Omaha and be within a win away of playing for an AFL championship in 2018? How did they do that with four different head coaches? How did they do that in the middle of their stadium being renovated? You know, how did they do that with a different pitching coach this year from last? You know, how, how did they figure all that out? How did they have continuity in recruiting with all this upheaval on the staff? How? how? And so when I begin to think about the future, and I begin to think about retention of staff, when I begin to think about retention of players, consistency and evaluations, I begin to think to myself, okay, if we will stay out of Chris Lamonis' way and allow him to recruit, allow him to make his own personnel decisions without interference, okay, and John Cohen's not going to be involved in any of that, I can tell you that. John Cohen is going to give Chris Lamonis all the autonomy he needs, and I'm sure if Chris ever needs anything, he can pick up the phone and call John and say, hey, what do you think about this? And John's always going to take that call. But when I begin to think about, look at what we've done with the chaos that has surrounded our program for the past four years. And then you begin to project what it could be the next four years. And you begin to think, okay, if we begin to stack classes with coaches and staffers that have a consistent vision for recruiting, a consistent finger on the pulse of the roster and the needs of the roster, what can we accomplish? We just got to stay out of our own way. And it's going to be there. It's going to come. And I have people that say, you know, Steve, I, I share that same optimism. And there's some other people out there that are just so absolutely miserable. They want everybody else to be around and miserable. Oh, we're never going to win. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. We're going to win in spite of your negative comments. We're going we're gonna to win in spite of your rotten attitude. Because in the, at the end of the day, your attitude and negativity doesn't have any impact on the program. Now, some people get out there and say, well, you know, I get tired of all these negative comments on Facebook. You know what? I, I don't care about that because I, I don't believe that some anonymous stranger on Facebook or social media or message boards can say or do enough to overcome what a college coach is going to say in person, in the living room, with the family. I, I just I don't think those people have that kind of power. I just don't believe it. And so I don't let it, I try not to let it bother me. You know, I get in discussions from time to time with people. And, and one of the reasons that I, I probably allow myself to get drawn in is because I feel like if, if we don't speak up as people that are, you know, a little more optimistic, that the only voices are heard are those of negativity. But also know this, I believe in John Cohen. I believe in Chris Lamonis. And I believe in Mississippi State. And I believe we have something very special. And I believe the best, is, the best is yet to come for Mississippi State baseball. I would be remiss if I did not mention Gunnar Halter uh, before we get out of here today. really like Gunnar Halter. I really do. And uh, wish things would have worked out better uh, for Gunnar. You know, when we had signed him, we really thought he was going to come in here and really challenge to be a shortstop, possibly a middle infielder. And, uh, you know, he, he bounced all over the infield. Uh, he played at second. Uh, played some at short, played some at third, D8 some, even played a few innings at right field. Uh, but the bottom line is is that, uh, you know, he simply just could not find a home in the lineup. And, um, you know, I think ideally what, what, what everybody would have expected is he's, he's a one-year guy, comes in here, has the big year, gets drafted, goes on to you know, professional fortune and fame. But that hadn't been the case. But uh, but he is elected to move on, has put his name in a transfer portal. Um, you know, that it is what it is. But the bottom line is, I don't know how much he would have played next year. I, I really don't. And, and, and I say that not not to throw shade at the kid, but I, I don't think he was going to beat out Justin Foscue or Jed, Jordan Westberg. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen. And when we've already tried him at second. We've tried him at third. And I, I just think, you know, when guys become seniors, you know, no, no, but when they sign guys, nobody expects to sign a guy and him to be here for four years. That's just not how it works in college baseball. You expect them to be here for three, maybe four if they get a redshirt year in, but you, you don't ever forecast those guys to be seniors. 
little, little known fact is that uh, Jake Mangum uh, paid his own way the last two years. Paid his own way because he wanted Mississippi State to have that scholarship money to be able to sign other players because he wanted Mississippi State to have the best roster available to go out and, and compete for a national championship. That's the reality of things. More times than not, when seniors come back, they pay their own way. And so Gunner's not going to be part of our program. We are unbelievably grateful to Gunner for his contributions to Mississippi State. And I know that he had wanted to do more. I, I, I know this. He is a very competitive kid. I spent some time around him. Uh, you know, he wanted to come in here and be a 15-20 home run guy for you. This just didn't work out. He had just the one home run, an opposite field shot uh, in, into, the, uh, into the terrace up there, you know. Um, the bottom line is it just didn't work out. And uh, we wish Gunnar Halter the absolute best. I hope that either he signs a free agent deal. And there is some discussion. I had somebody tell me that he's going to throw a bullpen for the Toronto Blue Jays. So he may get the opportunity uh, to go out and pitch uh, in the minor leagues as, a, as an undrafted free agent. And so uh, Gunnar will always be a part of a very special team for us. He had some big moments for us to walk off RBI against LSU at Hoover. He had a couple of RBIs uh, at, at Omaha. And so, again, we're grateful for his contributions and we wish him the absolute best and, and wish things would have been better here. You know, for him, wish as great as the experience was, you know, my, my hope was when we signed him that he would come in here and be an everyday player from Mississippi State and be among the league leaders in every offensive category. But that just wasn't the case. And so uh, we wish that uh, wherever he ends up, whether it be in minor league baseball or another program, that uh, he finds some success and finds some happiness and uh, moves on with his playing career. But, again, very grateful uh, to, to Gunner for his contributions to Mississippi State. Well, folks, it's going to do it for today. I'll be back on Monday, and uh, we'll, we'll take a look at the SEC. So I don't know if it'll be a Monday or a Wednesday deal, but we'll get back to that. We'll kind of look at, uh, you know, what does Vanderbilt lose? What, what does Florida return? What, can somebody from the East contend for a national championship? That, that sort of thing. Who, who from the East should we worry about? Uh, and we'll have some schedule information out for you guys here in the next month or so. I expect the university to release that. There are a lot of people out there that would love to be able to break that news, but I think by and large we'll see that happen by the university. Probably the right thing to do. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Save big money on everything for your next project at Menards. Spring is here making it the perfect time for outdoor projects. Suncast storage sheds are an excellent solution for protecting outdoor lawn and gardening tools. They're easy to assemble, and the all-weather construction provides water resistance and UV protection. Save big on Suncast storage sheds. View our selection of Suncast products today in-store and on Menards.com. Save big money at when you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.